Okay, I guess let's get the show on the road. Um, hi, it's me, Katie, your favorite half of your favorite podcast. Um, I am coming to you solo this week. Ashley is out and I didn't want to skip another week. So it's just me, me and you sitting in your bathroom or your car or your kitchen, wherever you're listening to the podcast today. Hi, let's get intimate. Um, we're going to talk about some cool stuff today. At least I think it's cool. Ashley, this is 100% the first time you're going to be listening to this. So I hope I did this category justice because I think you would have had a lot to say. And I'm kind of wanting to do a two-parter on this because I just can imagine how much you have to say about it. So um, I guess as a recap from last week, I was out. Um, I had to go travel to see my grandparents in Alabama. Although I'm not from Alabama, um, I do have family there. And some of my family there is sick, uh, which is sad. So my mom texted me last weekend and was like, hey, you're coming to Alabama with me. And we're going to go see your family. We're going to have a good time, but we're going to (laughs) drive. So I text Ashley like right before, like, hey, so I'm leaving. I'm going out of town like right now. So I don't think I can record an episode this week. And she, you know, very kindly, you know, was like, don't worry about it at all. Just go see your family. So with family on my mind, I wanted to do an episode this week. Um, on families and specifically family trauma, which is kind of a deeper episode, especially for our podcast. But, you know, I don't think we've talked about family enough. And when I talk about family, I don't necessarily mean the blood family, the blood relatives. And we'll touch on that in a little bit. Any family that you made or that you have, I think that this conversation can apply Um, We're going to touch a little bit on genetics, which is why I'm curious to hear Ashley's thoughts. But yeah, without further ado, um, I guess I don't really want to give you guys a weekly recap. Should I? I don't know. What did I do in Alabama? Saw some very Alabama stuff. Enjoyed a road trip with my mom. Listened to some audiobooks. Um, The featured audiobooks were 10 Steps to Nanette by Hannah Gadsby hilarious Australian comedian, highly recommend any of her work, whether on Netflix, from her comedy specials, or this book. I'm really enjoying it. So we were listening to that. And we were also listening to the audiobook version of the book that I've been reading for the longest time because I'm a slow reader. Um, the, the book is Neurotribes, The Legacy of Autism and the Future of Neurodiversity. Uh, and that's by Steve Silberman. So we were listening to both those audiobooks, filling our brains, seeing nice views on the road, and thinking a lot about family and a lot about trauma and uh, everything and anywhere in between. So it was a nice experience to share with my mom, um, but it, it, it had me thinking a lot <laughs> um, about her experiences, my grandparents' experiences, and my own experiences and how they line up and how they differ. So anyways, that's my weekly recap. Um, We'll do a much more fun recap with Ashley next week. It's 
actually kind of intimidating doing a solo episode. I don't have anybody to bounce off of. I'm not sure I know how to talk for 30 minutes straight just by myself. I've got a headphone in my ear with my voice echoing because I don't have anybody to watch my audio. So <laughs> I am happy to share this experience with you guys and um, curious to hear what you think about it. Um, if we should do more solo episodes in the future, let us know. Um, if you absolutely hated it and you think that I'm super boring all solo, totally fine. I'm <laughs> totally fine with that. Um, but yeah, just let us know. Hit us up on our Instagram at the Coconut Grove Pod or individually. Um, our links are always down in the description so you guys can pop down there and see what we've got. Um, but yeah, let's jump into it without further ado. This week's episode on families and generational trauma. Ooh. Okay, solo, solo. I did a fair amount of research on this, but I also might touch on some personal experience. Um, so why trauma and why families? Why did I choose this topic? Well, um, as I just said, I was with family and um, speaking a lot about traumatic experiences. So my mom is studying to be a therapist. And so one of her areas of interest is in a type of therapy called EMDR. So EMDR stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. So it's a type of therapy that is actually recognized by the government and used for PTSD. Um, so I find that really interesting. We'll get in a little bit more into that later, but that is why the conversation kind of piqued my interest. Well, I've been thinking a lot about family and family dynamic and how I relate to my grandmother in ways that I didn't connect before and how and how sometimes family can be kind of difficult and it can be very nerve-wracking to want to go see your family or maybe not even want to, but especially on occasions where you have to. It can feel nerve-wracking. Not everybody has a dynamic with their family that's always welcoming and open. And I want to acknowledge that for all sorts of families, there's a lot of trauma that goes in varying degrees in different family dynamics. So yeah, I wanted to dive into that. And um, I hope you guys stick with me on this one because I think it's really fascinating. I'm going to be reading from a lot of studies and a lot of articles um, just so I don't mess up the specifics. And also I think Ashley would appreciate it. <laughs> um, I will have references down below for everything that I'm speaking about. So um, let's start with the fascinating idea, the concept, and the science behind generational trauma. Um, so we're talking like trauma inherited from your grandmother or your grandmother's grandmother, etc. So how does this happen? Um, so studies show that trauma can impact a child in utero. So such traumas can include the mother's exposure to domestic violence, lack of care, or substance misuse during pregnancy. There is some obvious ways to look at this. When we look at substance abuse, we look at, oh, you know, of course they don't tell you to 
drink while you're pregnant, smoke while you're pregnant, it could have developmental delays on the child. Okay, but going deeper, you know, where does that trauma and the pain from the parent or the grandparent or whoever that that is leading them to substance misuse, right? So a 2009 study found that trauma experienced by a mother even before pregnancy will influence her offspring's behavior. So that's what I'm talking about. Before you tie in substance abuse, there can be trauma that is inherited even before the child is conceived, which is really fascinating. So um, I will read a little bit from this 2009 study. Um, I think you guys will like this. So the, the study examined three groups of rats. One group was put through a series of stress-inducing activities two weeks before mating, allowing the female time to recover before becoming pregnant. The second group was treated similarly over the course of a week immediately prior to mating. And third, the control group, were not given any form of stress. When the rat's offspring reached maturity at 60 days, the researchers examined their emotional behavior, anxiety, depression, and social behavior. The main finding revealed that trauma experienced by the females prior to conception had varied effects on the offspring. Um, so these effects varied between the groups between male and female offspring, but the behavior was without a doubt different from the rats of the control group. So this is what I was saying a minute ago where trauma comes in varying degrees. So let's touch a little bit on what trauma is. And so I want to touch specifically on two types of trauma or trauma categories. So PTSD and CPTSD. So uh, what is PTSD? It's post-traumatic stress disorder. This is what we generally associate with somebody who has gone to war, right? Um, and so CPSD is complex trauma. So how is that different? What is PTSD versus CPS CPTSD? <laughs> um, so PTSD occurs from a single incident trauma event versus CPSD. <laughs> Sorry, this is very hard. CPTSD. Um, occurs on multiple circumstances. So what I find very interesting, though, is that CPTSD is not actually officially in the diagnostic manual, the DSM, um, but it is being recognized more by professionals as, an, as a separate diagnosis or, or a separate condition. So um, complex trauma often develops during an earlier stage of development over repeated incidents. So often this involves relationships that are supposed to feel safe, but that trust is being um, taken advantage of um, or, you know, misused. So um, Anyways, so kind of using that frame of mind when we're thinking a little bit about trauma um, is that it goes a little bit deeper than just calling it trauma, that there is actual post-traumatic stress associated with this trauma. So going back to some of these studies on how it links generationally. 
So in 2013, there was a study done on Holocaust survivors, and they looked at the effects that trauma had on multiple generations. So while trauma may be passed down directly to the offspring, can it be passed down to grandchildren and so on? Can trauma be written into your DNA? So these questions are what led to the study of transgenerational epigenetic inheritance. So what does that mean? <laughs> because you know me, I'm like, I need things explained like five, like give me the simplest definition. So this is what the internet had to say about transgenerational epigenetic inheritance. It is the transmission of epigenic markers from one organism to the next, example, parent to child, that affects the traits of offspring without altering the primary structure of DNA. So basically boiling it down to what can be passed down that is not your eye color, your hair color, things of that such. So it's a little bit more complex. And I also believe from my research that epigenetic studies are newly recognized studies. These are, um, they weren't, they weren't well recognized until recently, or at least well studied or um, looked at like an actual science. So I want to read a little bit of, of this 2013 study for you on the, the tests that they made. So uh, one of the first epigenetic studies on human beings was being carried out in northern Sweden. They found that overeating as a youngster could initiate a biological chain of events that would lead one's grandchildren to die decades earlier than their peers did. Thus, as it was shown, perhaps for the first time, that a famine or overeating at critical times in the lives of grandparents could influence the life expectancy of grandchildren. Okay, and then the next uh, piece says... In their efforts to replicate this astounding finding, they conducted another transgenerational study which showed that sons of men who smoke in pre-puberty were found to be at higher risk for obesity and other health problems than sons of non-smoking fathers. Much later, a series of unique post-mortem studies on the brains of men who had committed suicide in Canada found that the chemical coatings on genes seemed to be influenced by the exposure to childhood abuse. So all to say that, that that is what led them to the study and the conclusion that, yes, trauma can be passed down and it doesn't need to be written in your DNA like your eye color is. So I find that quite fascinating. And I'll link the, those studies down below so you guys can read a little bit more into it. But I want to touch a little bit deeper on what intergenerational trauma is, what historical trauma is, family trauma. So... I'm sure that the frame of mind that you're looking in, in this on is, is as this article mentioned, childhood abuse or very traumatic events, very, you know, whether it be singularly traumatic events or um, complex traumatic events um, that are more repetitive. But I want to zoom out a little bit more. So not so much on the specific event, but how it affects uh, minority groups. So like we were talking about historical trauma in relation to Holocaust survivors, we see this exact same type of trauma affecting other marginalized groups, um, such as Japanese Americans with ties to Japanese 
um, internment camps during World War II. Uh, Black and uh, African-American people, of course, through slavery. Um, And also (laughs) other horribly traumatic events, Jim Crow laws, etc. Do I need to go on? Um, uh, Those of Vietnamese and Cambodian descent. Australian Aboriginal tribes. And those belonging to North and South American indigenous tribes or or indigenous tribes, honestly, everywhere, um, but especially descendants on the Indian reservation schools in Canada and the United States. So in, in the discussion of race, it can be very insensitive for a white person to write off somebody's literal trauma and, you know, something that we used to hear a lot in school, especially in a mostly white school in the South, is we would hear, don't play the race card. You can't play the race card. Why? So when you're writing off these marginalized groups and you're, you're telling them they're playing the race card, what you're actually doing is you're saying, I don't acknowledge the generational, the generations of trauma that you went through the same way that you would never say that to somebody who, you know, went through childhood abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, what be it. So it can be incredibly insensitive um, and obviously very racist to pull those um, things out to play because that does not play into consideration of the literal generations. So something that I've heard from an older gentleman before was um, why are black people so angry all the time or, you know, why are you know, insert marginalized group here, so angry all the time. Why can't they just be happy? Everything's changed for them. You know, we could insert this into, you know, the trans conversation, the the gay rights conversation, honestly, any of these conversations in which they downplay, somebody is downplaying the literal trauma, that there is evidence that proves um that it extends further than just your mom, than just your grandma. These things can really be tied into your personality um, in the ways that you interact with people socially. So kind of touching on that, I find it really fascinating. So one of the ways that uh, specifically the Black community is experiencing intergenerational trauma is through internalized racism. So that's the way that it can manifest. So um, this article says, people from marginalized groups often internalize racist stereotypes about their own group. Within the Black community, this this can show up in a number of ways. Colorism, texturism, and featurism are built into the oppressive belief that physical attributes that are closer to whites are more acceptable presentable, and beautiful. Internalized oppression can also show up in respectability politics, the belief that behaving in a certain way makes a person more valuable and more deserving of respect and dignity. Oof, that's a lot, right? So, taking a big deep breath here and and digesting all of this information. So you're probably thinking, oh, okay, so my grandma went this through this really horrible thing. Is that why I have anxiety or depression? Is that why, you know, a certain uh, scenario really frightens me or concerns me? Possibly. 
But, you know, reminding you again that trauma manifests in different ways for different people. Um, and, and trauma can be um, overcome, right? So I want to go back to EMDR and touch on what that is. So remember, EMDR stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. What does that even mean, right? It Well, kind of exactly what it's saying, eye movement. So in EMDR, you will pay attention to a back and forth movement or sound or repetitive motion while you call to your mind the upsetting memory or an upsetting feeling and concentrating on that and essentially creating an association game in your mind and focusing on that. And while you're doing this rapid eye movement or repetitive motion, and you're literally rewiring your brain to kind of jump through some scenarios that you never you you never knew were there. So in previous episode, we talked about how psychedelics can rewire your brain, something called neuroplasticity, right? Um, the way that your brain can kind of soften itself and want to connect to other sides of the brain that it's never before. It becomes less rigid in, in the ways that it operates. So EMDR in some ways can do a similar thing, creating new associations in your brain, allowing you to reprocess the trauma. And this is a recognized and um, is the leading type of therapy specifically for PTSD. Um, And as my mom was studying this, uh, she's led to believe that it can also help with CPTSD. (laughs) You know I have a hard time with that one. So not necessarily a singular traumatic event, but a series of traumatic events that continue to call to your mind. Because it's such a repetitive process, um, it allows you the time that you need to um, create those associations. And these um, the studies on EMDR indicate that you can heal through PTSD much faster or any sort of complex trauma much faster than traditional talk therapy, which is game-changing, right? So um, EMDR can help you process upsetting memories, thoughts, and feelings related to the trauma. Um, So my mom has been testing this on herself and can attest that she is noticing the ways that she responds to people has changed because the traumas are not coming up for her anymore. Specific traumatic events are not triggering um, a negative thought pattern or, or a negative reaction or what have you. So from her own personal experience on herself, she's seeing results. So she's bringing this to her clients um, and learning how to master this practice in order to help people overcome their traumas. So trauma is, well, it's a beast. (laughs) Um, And I believe that everybody experiences it on varying levels, as I've been saying. So your healing process is individual. Right. So I, I've just recommended or maybe pointed you in the direction of a type of therapy that's great for traumas. But 
I don't believe it's the only way to process trauma. And I believe that each of us get to make up what that looks like. So if talk therapy is helping, keep going with that. It can help you open up your mind in ways that you need. I know that there are people who practice multiple types of therapy in tandem. Um, Walking in the morning and, and doing some meditation, those can be types of therapy. Now, do I believe that going on a morning walk or doing meditation can heal deep wounds? Maybe not, but I do think it helps. Um, I think that you know yourself at the end of the day. And as long as you're, especially if the trauma is difficult for you to process, I believe in seeking professional help. Obviously, I'm not a professional. I'm just a girl talking on the other side of a microphone, trying to keep you educated and entertained. Um, I don't know if I did the entertaining very well today, but I definitely did the educating, hopefully. Um, but yeah, so all, all this to say, there can be a lot that we overlook in ourselves and in others that is genuine discomfort or or genuine anxiety or depression or whatnot through something that they cannot, a person cannot or was not responsible for. So I think the way that I think about this is like, you really don't know what somebody has gone through. And not only that, you don't know what their mother went through or their grandmother went through or, you know, so on. And, and, We can share a pain unintentionally, and we don't always give people the freedom to overcome some of those struggles that maybe they're not even aware of. So I guess like golden rule, be nice to everybody, right? You never know, but also be nicer to yourself because you might not be able to explain the things that you struggle with internally or that give you anxiety or make you feel bad to put it plainly you don't have to explain it right it it can be unexplainable because it's literally ingrained in you now <laughs> what would ashley say right here ashley would probably pull out some really awesome statistics she would probably pull out some lecture that she heard you know, when she was in school, she would probably pull out a case or two that would relate to this in some way. She might even share her own experiences with generational trauma. But I don't know what she's going to say. So um, I definitely want to revisit this concept. I want to revisit this territory and maybe talk about the ways that we can look at family in a less traditional perspective. So I guess where I'm getting at this, I guess the way that I'm looking at this is if your family is causing continuous trauma and you don't have a safe biological family, do you have to partake in that concept? Do you have to partake in that belief that your biological family is your own family? If they're continuing to cause trauma or not supporting you in ways that you can recover from your trauma, something to think about. 
Um, I believe that you choose your family just as much as your family chooses you. But I think at the end of the day, it's your choice who you keep in your life. And at the end of the day, it's important to only keep people in your life that support and love you. And if you're going through a traumatic experience, you went through a traumatic experience, your family is going through a traumatic experience. Um, find support. Reach out for support if you need it. I think everybody needs it in those scenarios. But just be kinder to yourself and be kinder to others. Okay? All right. Well, that's it for Mama Katie, Teacher Katie, Lecture Katie for the day. Um, I really don't know how to go on from here. I do so much better getting to bounce off somebody. Um, but it was a really fun experiment, and I hope you guys really enjoyed this very short episode. Do you like shorter episodes? I wonder. You guys should let me know. Um, so it doesn't feel like a completely one-sided conversation. Let me know what you guys think about this episode. Leave us a review. Um, we are, I don't want to say desperate for reviews, but I feel like we've put out enough episodes for you guys that we can get a little thumbs up, right? Maybe. I think so. Um, so leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you listen on a different podcast platform, thank you, first of all, for listening in the first place. But no other podcast platform collects reviews. So if we blow up on Apple Podcasts, we have a better chance at blowing up on the other platforms as well. So it's a win, 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 win for everyone. I don't, I think that's too many wins. Okay, so I have to edit this episode and put this episode out today. So thank you guys for listening. This is the Coconut Grove podcast. We talk about things that we, Ashley, we as in me and Ashley, would talk about over coffee. <laughs> and would that include generational trauma? Yeah, I think it probably would. I think both of us would probably enjoy that conversation in our weird and uh, similar brains, right? Um, but yeah, that's me. That's Katie. That's the Coconut Grove. And that is this week's episode. It's okay. I don't know how to do goodbyes, but... Thank you.